This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. Ladies and gentlemen, Billy Hallowell and Chris Field, the Church Boys. From the sublime to the ridiculous, but mostly ridiculous. I hate these guys. So Billy's rocking out to the tunes. You should see him. It's, it's been he's, an interesting he's week. He's got his so head bobbing. Gonna he's fun. going. To th- so uh, Billy has just returned to us from a uh, from a fun little trip he took down south in Birmingham. Uh, they let him leave. Actually, they asked him to leave. And uh, Billy. You know, we don't have a whole bunch of time today, so might be a little bit of an abbreviated show. So let's just get into this. You took a trip to Birmingham last week, and how'd that go, my man? Well, I mean, it was great. It was great. And, I mean, look, whenever you're doing a work trip like that, and you are, it's not like I'm going like other people went to like go and march and enjoy the event and be a part of something wonderful. I mean, yeah, you're a part of something wonderful, but basically you're not sleeping and you're covering and you're running around and you're trying to make sure you get everything but it was a really good trip and i actually left feeling pretty good at least about the group of people who were there about people coming together racial reconciliation all of that yeah you're mr Mr. unity i forgot about that well let's i mean let's be honest i was i'm a complainer so i complained about certain things during the trip right but you don't like to hear mommy and daddy fight that kind of thing yeah well you know i complained about (laughs) not having internet access and things like that because you know when, no matter no matter how well you plan and they plan these events very right. well i mean the events went off without a hitch but when you have 2000 people in a venue and everybody's on the wireless right. you better believe you're not going to be able to use it so here i am trying to cover the event right a little behind the scenes and i'm sitting there and my internet is like in and out in and out and you know, it's crazy. You're trying to get pictures of what's going on on stage and video while you're trying to write. Right. It's hard. But anyway, well, it was a it was, was a great event. Well, you know, and and uh, it's gonna sound like a horrible critic. Not horrible. It's gonna sound like it's, I'm being critical. I guess I am being a little bit critical. But yeah, when aren't you having? If you're going to have an event like this, which is great, and you should, and you want it to be covered, which it should be, then you got to make it possible and easy for people to cover it. So if CNN had showed up to do had shown up to do a uh, coverage or MSNBC or something. How are they supposed to cover it? If they're going to have their computers sitting there like you were doing and covering it from the event, if you want people to cover it, you got to make it possible for people to cover. You know, I think in in fairness, I think probably one of the issues, and I didn't think about this until after, was that, you know, some of the events I was covering were not the events that other media would ever probably cover, sure. like the pastor's conference and things like that. So those were the events where I had the most trouble, right? Mm. Um, but they were also live streaming it, weren't they? Yeah, but I, my internet was so terrible. So at one point I thought, I'm going to go, I'm going to go into a room because it's, I know like everyone thinks, and I, and I always argue this about covering events. Sometimes it's easier to cover an event from home right. watching it on TV. Yep. And because you have more access, you can read what other people are covering. When you're there, like I said, you can't get the pictures and the video. And you're, I mean, you can, but it's hard. Right. So there, I think 
that was sort of the issue with the internet too. And then you're in a stadium with tons of people on a public wireless. And in fairness to every, I mean, I didn't go with an internet card because I'm very cheap and I refuse to pay for one. (laughs) And honestly, Birmingham, which is a wonderful city, apparently is a black hole when it comes to cell phone service because nobody (laughs) Nobody I talked to on this trip had cell phone service. Nobody. I couldn't even tether to my phone, which is kind of like my wireless card. So you, you went to somebody's room now. I believe it was your new little friend's room, wasn't it, that you went to? Yeah, so my friend. Tell people now. Tell people about how how you've created this little relationship. You know, I make friends with people because I'm very likable, Chris. I yeah. don't understand that why you don't realize this, but um, <laughs> she I, explains why you have a bunch of friends and I have none. <laughs> well, you know, Matthew West, who we know well, he performed at the right. event, and right. I I actually had met him in New York probably a few months back. Yeah. He came and we did an interview. We did a story on The Blaze um, about his music. And I mean, he's actually got an amazing story. Anyway, hopefully we'll have him on the show You know someday. what I'd, you know what I'd yeah. like to do is is have him come on and guest host, panel with us. You think? You think yeah. that'd be good? Yeah, that'd be fun. I know you, yeah. you and I have talked about that a little bit, but it's fun to put that out for the... For, listen, no promises because we're not going to... We're not going to... We're not going to commit Matthew to something he hasn't committed to yet <laughs> we're not gonna we're not gonna torture matthew with an no. experience of right. having to but be on our podcast if but. he's willing to subject himself to it you know we'll take it so but. yeah i hung out with him he performed and we hung out we went for coffee um during the day it was like the one break that i took one of the days there and we went grabbed coffee came back and uh and then i was able to watch the tv in his room because the yeah. room that i was in did not have a stream of the event even though i was at the venue right i wanted to watch it so i could transcribe it at the right. same time right so did he let hold, me use his room now when you guys nice. when you guys went to coffee did you hold hands was he your new little friend or what what's you no we did not hold hands but <laughs> you know i went with the whole band too which is kind of cool i got to meet his band and oh, one so of the things, groupie that's fine well, yeah, I basically became a groupie. But one of the cool things that somebody was telling me who had, who works in, in the entertainment industry and they actually worked in Christian music for years, right. they knew him from like 12 years ago and they were okay. saying the really nice thing about him, and I didn't talk to him about this, but the band, a lot of the band members are the same as they were 12 years ago. Wow. And they were saying that says a lot about Well, that's ra- that's rare. Right. You know, even it does, it says a lot about the person, but it also says a lot about the people who are involved in that a lot of people they'll get burned out. They're just even if like they me love everybody with you. Right. Some days I'm totally right. burned out. Right. The fact that we we've been able to do this for eight months. I mean, <laughs> that you stuck it out this long is pretty remarkable. Is that how long we've been on the? On well, the we area? started in 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 late. I think our first show came out in mid late January, right? So it's been. It's crazy, and seven, we've almost seven had and a half million months. listens, I know, which is crazy too. All right. Uh, so. Uh, All now, right. No, you had to go. Um, I remember seeing the Slack conversation with with Josiah, I think it was, and they said there's no Uber from the, like how do you uh, get you can't get around? Is that right? No, it's a black hole. Like when I say it's a black hole, I'm what I'm saying to you is that it's basically like walking. Remember the movie The Village with M Night Shyamalan? Yes. It's like walking into the village. <laughs> um, and no, no, I mean honestly, it's a really nice city, but but yeah, there's no Uber, which is fine because I'm 85 years old and I don't even have the Uber app, but. So Josiah, I don't know, like every time I called Josiah to find out where he was, he's like, oh, I'm, I'm filming this over here. He was like all over town. So I, <laughs> I don't know. I, I'm all about renting cars when I go right. places, yeah. mainly because it's entertaining. I don't know if anybody's seen the car video yeah. of me driving around Texas. It's entertaining, but also it's just easier to get around. 
but I didn't rent a car this time. So I, I mean, most of the venues were near the hotel, but okay. the first few were not. So picture this. You know, I'm a very hungry person. Right. You get to the airport. You, you get in from the airport at like 2 p.m. I went to the venue. I didn't get to my hotel until midnight, and I didn't eat that entire time or the whole day because I had to go to Texas to connect to go to Alabama. So it was crazy. Well, I, I was loved, very hungry. You put out a message on Twitter or something. You said, I haven't had coffee since Friday. No, and I it was like it 34 was, hours. It was, it was Saturday morning. I you put, the, find, you had put again, the tweet out. Warning, America, I haven't had coffee since Friday. And it's like, that was yesterday, my man. Are you there? Oh, no, I've lost Billy. He's protesting. Are you there? I'm here. You oh. froze, and it was the best freeze frame ever. <laughs> Yours froze, too. You had your hands up like this. I was like, so did you. I was trying to take a freeze frame of it, but I couldn't. Um, I went, I went without coffee. That's how blasphemous it was that I went without coffee. That's that like our whole system shut down briefly. I, it was like <laughs> Friday morning on the plane at like 8am right. and then Saturday morning came and I had to like get out the door to go, to go to the March. And I had like a migraine cause I, I'm basically like a drug addict without my yeah, drug. But it's what it was just funny how you put it out there. Your complaint was that you hadn't had it since Friday, like as though it had been several days that actually just but, been but several hours. But almost 30 hours is a substantial <laughs> amount of time to go without coffee. I'm sorry. And I'm so I'm looking for a Starbucks. All I can find are banks. I mean, it was like, I don't even know. I don't even know what happened. Yeah, but see, and, and here's the thing about Starbucks. Now, my understanding is with Starbucks, there's really not a lot of caffeine in their drinks anyway. I don't know. I feel like lattes there might be. Well, see, it's it's the way you should that have your cook. wife now, on to tell us about this. My understanding is the way that they cook their beans, like they burn their beans, right? That's the way espresso. In fact, this espresso beans, from me. from my understanding, from people who've done the science, is and including a friend of mine, is that espresso beans, espresso beans, don't have caffeine. Listen, no, we should have your wife on to talk about this. I want to have her on the show sometime no, because I don't she want, no, is a huge fan of the pumpkin lattes, from what she, I understand. Uh, you and her. I just wanted the worst one of the worst things that ever happened in my life was the two of you became friends. <laughs> so we became friends. How the whole I knew Chris's birthday was coming, but for some reason I thought Chris was gonna be thirty nine and his wife reached out and was like, because I friended her on Facebook, no, he's gonna be fourteen hundred and thirty six years old. You should wish him a happy birthday. And so and your sister was like, Go ahead and torture him. Ugh. Oh, so before I forget, before we start talking about because by the way, outrage of the week, it's the entire episode today. Okay. It is gonna be outrage. Okay. But before we get to the outrage, okay. how was your how was your seven hundred and thirty fifth birthday party? It your was, surprise it was, party? it was really nice. It was I knew we were gonna be doing some little family gathering. I mean, that was what I was told. But then I got to actually left football practice. I had to come home and get some there's some stuff for work that I need to check on and get done. So I was a little bit late getting over to my folks' house for the party where my wife had arranged it. Anyway, I get there, and there are cars that are that I recognize but wasn't expecting. And so I get there, and all the rest of the coaching staff and their wives and kids had come, and they were there with the football the football coaching staff. And then my sisters had come over from from the Seattle area, so it was really nice. We just hung out and had uh, a lot and lot a lot of food. you'd you'd swear i mean i swear billy if you hung around my family with as loud as we are and as much as we eat you'd swear we were italian i was just gonna say you have yeah. like zero italian blood we have zero right? italian blood at least nothing can i, I, I want to announce something here. okay Go ahead. well what did you get for your birthday let's talk about that uh orthopedic shoes and, no, <laughs> i did get some uh I'm very much a I'm well we're, we're the Pomeroy Pirates and we're our colors are orange and black so I do a lot of orange and black stuff. And uh 
like so, Halloween. Like, yeah. Uh, and so um, I got some orange and black shoes, tennis shoes, running shoes, uh, to wear for coaching and stuff. And uh, what else? Like, which I already have like three or four pair of orange and black shoes, but these are some new ones and they look really snazzy. And some, you know, some pirate t-shirts and some other t-shirts and baseball shirts. And what else? Some candy. I love food. I don't know. I don't really, I got to, oh, let me show you. My sister, my sister-in-law sent me this, which I absolutely love. Can you see that? Oh, I can't. That's awesome. It is a very nice watch. It is a great, great watch. It's a, it's a U.S. Polo Association watch. I don't know if it means anything or not, but. Nice heavy probably, watch, probably it's not bright like orange it. strap with a great face, and it's, anyway, it's really nice. And wait, are you also else? wearing a black and orange shirt right now? Yeah, it's Palmer Pirates. Can you see that? It's game yeah. day. We have a game. We have our first game of the season tonight. Well, I mean, I don't. You know, Heading I'm over to Cameo. I assume this. Can we have? Wait, can field. you can you trigger the? Can you please trigger the awkward transition music? Just a second. On it. So, Chris, how do you feel about Kim Davis? Why don't we just jump right in? <laughs> Let's just Rowan <laughs> County Clerk okay. Kim Davis. Let, let's jump right in. All right, let me let me get this out of the way. Okay, I'll say this. I will say this first. Go ahead. Okay, I'll say this first. Hot mama. Okay. Oh my god. That's where I'm starting. Okay. That now now we have cleared the air there. Okay. That has been cleared. You're terrible. The woman should rot in jail. That's what I say. <laughs> oh my. God. I'm oh. <laughs> You're terrible. So if you were, I, I don't think she should be in jail. If you were paying attention on Twitter to any of the nonsense we put out there yesterday, Billy has, what, do you, what did you say? It says, oh, it says, I'm about 109, 109% sure that Chris is overjoyed we didn't record the show today. I was in rare form. Um, and which I replied, it would have been gold, Jerry, gold. But uh, <laughs> no, Billy and I had a little disagreement yesterday over. It was uh, a little. <laughs> 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 Billy Billy is in favor of scoff laws and anarchy. Uh, I, however, am a law and order type person. Billy's a liberal because he doesn't believe anybody should have to follow any laws they don't want to follow. Uh, and he believes in anarchy. He's kind of a um, an Occupy Wall Street type. Oh, I, yes. I, on the other hand, am a law and order type of person. So, so, uh, so lay out the Kim Davis case for people who don't know, and then let's... Okay, so basically... She's the clerk of Rowan County in Kentucky, and she is among a number of clerks. She's not the only one, but her case right, has exploded right, everywhere. Right. Who has refused, consistently refused, to grant gay marriage licenses right. since the June Supreme Court ruling made gay marriage legal across the country. And, and and a ruling and a ruling which said all states, all localities, all governments must recognize and issue same sex marriage licenses. Whether or not we like the legislating from the bench, the fact is that's what the law is now. Right. Although the law didn't say every single clerk must, did it? It's. I think it's in a matter of however the however the the government. I don't know. I'm actually, issue the licenses. Know. That would be my understanding. Fair enough. Um. So she has refused consistently. Uh, couples sued. Uh, gay couples sued. When those. I think a, a straight couple sued as well. I can't remember in the initial lawsuit. No. But. What ended up happening was Kim Davis no, just kept before, refusing. Right, she kept refusing, but she didn't. No, correct me if I'm wrong. She stopped issuing marriage licenses. Period. Didn't she do yeah, a well, blanket ban on marriage? Like she wasn't going to give any marriage licenses of any kind. She wasn't. She wasn't exclusively banning, or not issuing gay marriage licenses. Is that correct? 
Yeah, you know, I don't know. I can't make a blanket sta- blanket statement on that. But there were points where they would say, "Oh, our computers are down. Our computers are being," you know. So they would try to turn everybody away. Um, but I don't know. That's a really good question. I don't know if any straight couples were able to get any licenses during my since June. My understanding, right? My understanding from what she was doing was that she said, "I'm not going to issue." I mean, as as the case grew. You know, people say you can't just deny gay people marriage licenses. And the, her response was, I'm not issuing any marriage licenses. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's the case. I guess what I'm not sure of, if if, if there was a point where people, because remember, I don't think she's the only one in the office that can grant them. Her name is on every license. Other people can. So there may be points where people were able to get them, but not gay couples. Right. Um, now, the other thing is that she might, it might be. Well, go ahead. Go ahead. We'll get to. We'll get into it. No, no, no. Go. You go. Well, ahead. I was gonna say. I think she's the only one who can issue them unless she personally authorizes her deputies to do it. Right. That's my understanding. Right, right. Yeah, and I know, like from jail yesterday, she was saying, "No, you can't do it," even though the five agreed to. Now, right. what I found very interesting, her husband spoke out today, um, this morning, saying that he went to dinner with. There were six clerks or deputy clerks under okay. her. Five of them agreed to issue gay marriage licenses, but from what I could tell, at least one of them was crying in court and said, I'm the daughter of a minister. This is the hardest thing I've ever had to do. I don't want to do this. But look, nobody else wants to go to jail. The sixth clerk is her son, Nathan, is actually the clerk's son. He has not agreed to issue marriage licenses. So I've been trying to reach him. I don't know what that, I don't know what happens. Does he quit? Does he, I don't know. Does he risk going to jail or can he just say, I'm not going to do it. I'm going to do other work in the office and the other ones can do it. I don't, I don't know. Okay. So what's our disagreement here? Well, you think she shouldn't have to do her job. Is that what it was? (laughs) You know, this, this case to me is, and I looked at this in the beginning and I felt, okay, you know, she's a government employee and I kept hearing people say, she's a government employee, she has to do the will of the government, blah, 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 blah. As I've covered the story more and more, my views have actually, my personal views have changed on it. And, mm. and you know, just spoiler alert, I, I'm covering this story a lot. I think I've been pretty fair in how I've covered yeah. it. And I've yeah. even had gay people come and say, we really were glad at how fair you covered this. So sure. I can say this, even though I've been fair on it, I can say what I think on this. And my perspective on this has totally transformed and i'm not saying this is the right perspective right. but and i'm just gonna no, i'm lay certainly out not saying lay out i'm certainly not saying yours is the right perspective either by the way well it, okay <laughs> at the end of the day when you look at the first amendment i don't think it's appropriate to say that somebody automatically loses their first amendment rights because they've decided to work for the government i first of all i reject that i don't like that do I think it can become problematic to say what I just said? Yes, there are instances in which that can become problematic. I don't like the idea of saying that, though. Yes, I understand private sector is different and all that. And we can have that have that debate, but, but I don't like that idea. I don't like it. I, I think it's I think it's wrong and it's disingenuous. And I don't I don't think that that's the way we need to look at this. I personally think if there is a way to have and an issue as big as marriage. This is a huge issue for Christians. It's not some random issue. It's not some, this is something that's a big issue in the Christian faith. And by the way, Chris, I say this as somebody who does not have anywhere near as big of an issue with gay marriage as you do. Right. So, okay, so I, I'm saying this now. I just don't think that we should walk around and say, no, you have to issue these licenses. I think there should be, if there's somebody else willing to do it, there should be an accommodation. I think it's pretty simple. Really, in this case, she's asking that her name not be on every single marriage license. Why not remove the woman's name but I and think, call it a day? But I think that there's more. she's more than just saying, I don't want my names on it. She has ordered 
her clerks to not issue these licenses because her name is on them. But she has also said like she, um, Oh crap. I, I had the, the piece up here. I don't know where it went, but that she could, that they may well be fired for doing it even without her name on them. But her name, if her, if she's the clerk and elected official, her name has to be on them. Well, as far don't as run, I if you don't want, if you don't want to implement laws that you don't agree with, don't run for office. Well, I don't, again, I don't necessarily agree with that assessment, but my point is this. She, from talking to Matt Staver, her attorney, one of the solutions to this was having her name removed that they were saying would be a solution for them which that is, might have which, which is a legislative change, right? Like the legislature right, has to right. come in and implement that. And by the way, and they're not in session. They're not in session. They have, well, they're not in session until January. I mean, what, what job are you off? Are they on maternity that's, leave? I don't that's, understand. That's typical, but that is typical state legislature stuff. They're more efficient than our federal government. They come in and they, they're in, in session for a few months and then they're out. They're citizen well, legislators. They do something else with their time. Well, the governor's a Democrat. And by the way, right. Kim Davis is a Democrat too, right. which I love that detail that's overlooked in almost every AP report, except yeah. the New York Times, in fairness, <laughs> has been including that's that good. detail. And by the way, we weren't including it either until I learned about it right. re very recently. So she she's a Democrat herself. Not that that even matters. It is, this is an issue. It's an issue that's important to her. Yeah. Um, but I, I'm assuming she ran as a Democrat when she won last year. Right. Um, but you see, but you see, Illegal immigration or immigration amnesty is an important thing to our president and to a lot of people who run these sanctuary cities. And conservatives are up in arms when people say, I'm just going to ignore the law. Well, say then you should be impeached, removed from office. You should resign. You should do something if you're not willing to uphold the law, even laws you disagree with. You can't just come out. It's what it's what conservatives have been ticked off at the administration for for the last seven years has been their willful neglect and their willful disobedience of the law and their willful uh, non-enforcement of the law because I'm just not going to enforce a law I don't agree with. Well, that's not okay. Well, I don't know that that, but this is where we disagree. I don't know that that is what Kim Davis is saying she wants to do. I think she's saying she doesn't want to be the one giving the blessing with her name on it. So but that's, I think but these the issues law, are a little but bit But the different. law says the only way for that person to get a uh, marriage certificate is for you to issue it with your name on it. If you don't okay, want to do that, so, find another but, job. But no, that's not my, my solution is don't find another job because this is what enrages me about this debate. That's not the solution. The solution is the solution is not for the government to say, guess what, Christian, you're not eligible to have this government job. That's not the solution. The solution is to find a middle ground and accommodation. So if you want to change and that the, is it, what listen, should happen. But, it, but if you want to change the law and argue to change the law, fine, I can agree with that. But the fact is, but until the law is changed, this is the law. You can't okay, so just, why, why so not advocate, offer? advocate changing the law. And if you want and to that's change fine, the law, but right so, now she's in prison. She's right, in okay, jail. And I don't think I don't think she should have been in jail. Okay, that's, so why wasn't there a stay then? Why didn't the judge say, you know what? We'll because offer, she still I'll can't do because she still can't do her job. And the fact that she had told these clerks, you can't issue these licenses either without my okay, and she refused to give the okay. And probably it was my assumption is their their jobs were at stake if they dared to cross her. But now she's in prison, and that's the only way to get these. Because she's been, quote, incapacitated, I think that that's, that's why they threw her in jail. Because she's unable to perform the job, the duties of her office, so the next person in line does the jobs, the duties of the office. And well, that's why. And she's unable to do that. The judge understood. If I just fine her, A, it won't mean anything because there's a whole bunch of other people out there who will raise funds for her to pay the fine for her. Two, if I put her in, if she's not in jail, she's not incapacitated. 
But if she's in jail, then the next person in the in the chain of command takes over her duties, and that way the the licenses will be issued. Again, I don't agree with gay marriage. I don't think gay marriage should be the law of the land. However, it is. So you got to put it out there. And and if you want to change the law, great. If you want to have a stay and she's willing to let the clerks do it, fine. But the fact is, until you change the law, it's the law. Look, I, I'm going to say this. There is no reason. She's going to be the sacrificial lamb, first of all, that gives everybody. If you're if you are a pro-gay marriage activist, this should be the last thing in the world that you wanted. And well, yeah. in fact, she's a the ACLU did not want this. This was not what they were calling for. They were calling right. for fines. And I don't believe for a second if you find this woman and I don't know what he legally could find her over and over and over again with every refusal that that wouldn't have had some sort of impact. I don't oh, understand. But, but look, at it would be there'd be a GoFundMe campaign or whatever. Who cares? But right now, she would, have there would be, somebody... it would have no impact on her financially. What impact would it have on her? It would have well, none. I, at some somebody point, else would raise the, raise the funds anymore. Oh, I mean, yeah, at some would, point, absolutely. you're gonna, you're not going to be there's able enough, to. But... There's enough people on our side, they would raise millions of dollars for her. But so, so right now, just I want to clarify this. Last year, something that the government said should be illegal and is wrong and is morally not okay. Right. A year later, we have now imprisoned somebody who, yes, she broke the law. Look, right. I'm not That's defending. I'm not even defending her stance and what she believes. What I'm saying is the way that this is playing out should be the worst nightmare for people on the gay activist oh, absolutely. side. absolutely. They don't want to martyr. I don't quite understand it, and I'm sure a lot of people, but, you know, some people were chanting love one, love one, while she was being hauled off to jail right. in that courthouse. How how are we at this point where we cannot find a middle ground on these issues? That's well, I, what I can't I guess, figure out. I guess I don't know what the middle ground is. Uh, are you me, asking, you want me to yeah, tell you what like, I think what, the middle what ground do you, is? Uh, yeah, what do you think is the middle ground? Okay, let me, let me say this. If the law is... In this, in this, at least in this county, if not the state of Kentucky, but at least in this county, if the law is the only person who can give you marriage certificates is the county clerk, and the clerk is refusing to give you those licenses, and that the only way to have someone else issue those licenses is to A, have her be incapacitated, unable to perform her duties, so the next person in the chain of command can do it, which is probably which would be within the law, I'm assuming, or you change the law to allow her deputies to do it. But either way, I don't, I don't know where the middle ground is as far as following the law and issuing these licenses, which again, I'm not for gay marriage, but the law says gay marriage is allowed now. Okay, so we have to then, equal protection, allow everybody to get their marriage licenses who wants them. And I think everybody, and to clarify, I think everybody should be able to get their licenses. I don't like, I don't love the fact of saying I'm not going to issue them. I feel like the middle ground is to, look, this does not substantially burden the government for them to accommodate her. It does not. So, except, I mean, no, and I, and I would agree, except for the, if the that's not, if the law is the only person who can give the licenses is that county clerk. Change the damn law. Okay, that, and I agree, but between now and when the law is changed, which according to Kentucky will be four months because they don't come back, the earliest would be four months because they don't come back till January, then what do you do in those four months? Look, I don't, I don't have the answers to that. But that's but your I middle know ground. That the governor, the governor has the power to call a special session. Sure. Has chosen and, not to. And that's what you have. Well, everybody but that's on the only way end, to fix it. But everybody on every end, okay, from, from the clerk... Okay, all the way down to the governor is an activist at this point, and nobody right. wants to find a solution. But the Look, but the only solution is a legal one. 
And the only way you change the law is for the legislature to come in. I don't. So there is no middle ground right now. I don't disagree with you. But when you look at this from thirty thousand feet, the point is this should have been thought about a little bit better. A before all this was done. And B, you know, again, as somebody who really doesn't have, I don't really care if gay marriage is legal or not. You care more than I do. Right. I don't. But, but the the point is that there that there are ramifications for not thinking it through. There's also and ramifications look, for breaking the law to an, especially when you're asked when you are. This is an elected office that you sought. Look, and an elected office that you sought before the definition of marriage that has stood for but thousands you know, of years but was But you changed. know as somebody who works within and by the, the legal way, look system, at her oath. laws are always changing. Laws are always changing. You're always being... Not, and you, and you have that, to go... But this is not... But, but, but Chris, here's, but here's a fact. This is not some small little change in the law. Regardless of, regardless of the size of the change in the law and the morality that you agree with or disagree with on the law, again, I agree with her more theologically and morally than you do. But let me say... You're talking about finding a middle ground. I would love for there to be a middle ground. I don't have any idea what it is. Change the law, yes. That's not really middle ground, but change the law, yes. So what do we do until the law is changed? You can't grant an exemption for. I would assume for, we don't. We don't imprison somebody. That would be. But that if that's would be my okay, first so step. you don't imprison her. What if? What if the only way for those licenses to be issued is for her to either be not in office or incapacitated from office? Well, I'm confused. How do we Are there not the any licenses? other nearby counties willing to issue licenses? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Right. The law has to be about... equally the law has to be equally implemented. And look, the reason there's no accommodation is because this is about forcing people I to don't agree disagree. with an agenda. I don't disagree and, with that. With and, you, and with conservatives and liberals both do this. And and I and look, I understand that by and, and I don't really have a stake in the game. I'm just looking at this and saying, to me, the middle ground is accommodations for government or for private. I don't think it matters. I don't think that you have to check your First Amendment rights at the door just because you choose to work for the government. Right. Do now, I think if, you should break the law? No. Look, she should be held accountable for breaking the law. I don't right. disagree with you and, there. And, I'd, and I would wish that there was something we could do other than throw her in jail. And I, and I would hope that there is something. And, and to me, that would be the middle ground. She doesn't go to jail, but the deputies can issue the marriage licenses, right? But if the only way for the marriage licenses to be issued by the deputies is for either, her to either resign from her office or be put in jail incapacitated from office, that is the only solution. It's better if she doesn't want to resign, then you have to put her in jail well, and let the, the next level happen. I think the fine would have been a better solution. The fine would have, would but, have appeased everybody. That's what no, the ACLU no, but the, wanted. Okay, that's okay, what but the what plaintiffs does, wanted. But what does the fine, the fine, what does the fine do? So she gets fined and then what? Well, and then if she can't pay the fine, maybe then I don't know. Does that, I don't know what the does that pressure her into changing her mind? Either the either either going to pressure her into changing her mind by fining her, or you're going to force her out of office by either. You think getting, she's going to change her mind? Wait, wait, wait. What does a fine do? The fine doesn't cause her to start implementing them, and if if it does, then you're making her. You're for a fine in the long term would force her to violate her conscience because she would either have to resign because she doesn't want to pay the fines. Or she pays the fine. She says, I, I can't pay these fines. I'm going to change my mind. I'm going to start issuing these licenses. So a fine would coerce her to violate her, her conscience by forcing her, essentially, to issue the licenses. Or you can jail her or have her resign from office. Not all, all of which, the, how do you get to, the, the point is, you have to, regardless of whether you like it or not, you have to get to the point where the clerks, the clerk or clerks, are issuing the marriage licenses. How do you I agree. do that? You, okay, so you have to do that. So you can fine her, which pressures her into violating her conscience. Okay, 
So then she starts issuing licenses. It, it, again, you have to change the law legally. You have, to, you have to change it legally. You have to go through the legislature. So if I put her in jail, we can start issuing licenses because the next person in the chain of command starts issuing the licenses. Or she can resign, so you force her to resign. Or you fine her, which could either force her to resign or force her to start issuing the licenses herself. All of which are not middle ground. No, my, look, I'm not defending her. I want to make this clear. I'm not defending her actions. I don't think that you should be violating the law. I'm more concerned about the bigger picture here. Oh, I agree. Of, of not having, and I know people, I, and I'm sure you, I don't know where you stand on accommodations for public officials, but I do, I do think it would be smart to have this conversation now about should there be accommodations on this issue? How can we make sure that people have their right to get right. married? And that's the longer, and that people, right. and that's the longer term, bigger picture discussion. That, we create, and that's what I'm so fired okay, up about, so, though, is the fact that we're at a point right, where but, somebody's in jail because of this. Right, but you're fired up over it, which is good, but it is so new that this was bound to happen. The longer term discussion is, okay, each state can legislate how, what kind of accommodations do we provide, right? Right now, there are no accommodations. So we fix that down the road. But in the immediate, the fact is you have to do something to force somebody to do the job that is supposed to be done by that office, part of which is issuing marriage licenses, well, including wait. gay marriage licenses. But wait, the governor had the power to do something that wouldn't land somebody in jail. Which Look, she landed herself in jail. What was it the governor could do? Well, the governor could have called a special session. And still, look, maybe they... It's still a legislative process. She's well, still... Look, so, but okay, but... The question is, regardless if he calls in the legislature next week and they change the law the following week, within the next week, two weeks, within the next two weeks or the next four months when they actually do come back into session, regardless, what do you do in that time? Somebody has to issue marriage licenses. And the only way for it to be done there, the only way for it to be done there is for her to not be in office or to be in jail, apparently. So, So do you think she should be in jail then? If I... I would hope that there was a way to there find were middle, fines. Find, there was a way. Right. No, because the fines would force her out of office. That, so what, you want to talk about it, religious persecution, you fine them and force her to resign because of it. Well, no, I think that all of this could be seen as religious persecution or it could be seen as a woman being a bigot who's not. Look, I see both sides of it. Yeah. My concern is that we we are not addressing the bigger issue. We have bakers in the private sector who are fined one hundred and thirty five thousand dollars. We now have a woman. Again, I get the people who are angry about it. I get the people who are saying she's not doing her job. She is not right now. Her job is to issue those licenses. And she's my not concern doing it. is. Right, but my concern is, are we now saying, well, if you don't want your name on a gay marriage license, then, you know... Now, look, if this were me, what would I do? I, pr- I would just continue issuing them. That's my job. I'd but, resign. But you would resign. I don't know. Maybe I would, I would continue issuing them, probably. But, and, and maybe try to find another job. I don't know if, if I felt as strongly as she did about right. this. I, but I do think that telling someone they have to resign is not the best solution to this either. Right. No, and I and I agree, but the the fact is that's the only option they have right now. You have to resign or be in jail, or well, you I have to, or I, you have. That's to, where you and I right, differ. I don't right. think jail, but no, should I'm have just been saying the first place in to go. this. I'm saying only in this specific instance, there are three options. Right? She resigns. She goes to jail so that she's incapacitated, and the next person in the chain of command issues the licenses, or she violates her her. her her beliefs and issues the licenses herself. Those are the only three options. 
Now, do you see this woman sitting? She might stay in jail for three months, four months. Imagine. Sure. And the law, if the law gets changed, then great. The next person comes along. Now, so that's what I'm now, saying. She now, may be the no, person. A fourth, look, a fourth possible, a fourth possible option is that she can, when she comes back, if she comes out, goes back into her job, that she, that a possible option would be that she can indeed deputize her deputy or allow her deputies to issue the licenses. The the problem is that she's going to have is her names on them. But look, that's the life. bottom line. The, the bottom line is this. Nobody in this, and I could be wrong. I would assume if an election were to happen today, she would win again, probably, right. in that state. And I would assume that if the legislature came together, there might be a law. So I'm wondering what the motivation for not convening a special session and the motivation for not would probably be they don't that talk she, it about may be it. favorable to her. Yeah. They don't want to talk maybe about not. it. Look. I and I know people are going to hear this and say, uh, uh, my, my perspective. And also, I just like going against you because I you're know. I love going against you on this. <laughs> I mean, I'm more fired up about the issue in general that we haven't had the conversation about it. Right. That as, as a country that we haven't thought. I know some people have thought about this. And I also know some people are way over the top on how they talk about this. Like, you know, the criminalization of Christianity is what Mike Huckabee was saying. Is right. that well, quite what's nonsense. going on? Right. That's not really what's going on. But. But I think jail time, I'm very sensitive to jail time for yeah, a lot oh, of sure. reasons. I, I understand. I understand. And, you know, I think that I, I just don't like that that's where we've gone on this, that we've gone from a society that, let's face it, really mistreated gays and lesbians right. to a society that now has no tolerance for somebody or even understanding right. for somebody who it. might not want their name on a gay marriage license. I, I, I don't I, know. I, and I understand. And I oppose the jail thing. If there, If there's some other way to make the law get implemented without jail time, I would support that. But I don't know that there is. If the only way to get the licenses out there is to throw her in jail because is either she quits her office, which means the next person in the line takes care of marriage certificates, or you put her in jail. So the next, you know, if you want to fine her and force her out of office because she's intimidated, the fact is you got enough people who are going to raise a lot. She's not going to change her mind. I'm actually trying to pull up right now. I, I might be wrong about this. I might be wrong about this, but there were two options that Matt Staver told me about, and I'm trying to re remember what they were. W one of them would have been to allow the chief executive of Rowan County to grant licenses. He can do that in the absence of the clerk, and that's what you're speaking about, right. putting her in jail. But I'm pretty sure somebody could have made that decision without putting her in jail, too. I don't, but somebody I don't know that. If she's... if if. If if it's if he can do it only in the absence of the clerk, then the clerk has to be absent. I guess the definition of absence is probably what right. is at stake here. Right. Now I've I've heard it's I've heard a judge could do that. I don't know if that's true, and I right. I don't I don't want to say that that's the case. But the way that uh, look, things, if a judge can throw you in the, jail over this, I would assume a, a judge could probably uh -huh. say, uh, well, well, you're a judge absent. can throw you in jail for for contempt of court. I mean, that's she's in contempt of court. The court has ordered her to do this, and she said no. Now, do you go to jail for that? That's not uncommon. What? Not uncommon, but I think I think it is uncommon for a law to change in the way that that law did and for there to be a reaction such as this, jail time, right. on an issue that's very sensitive. Yes, there's no other issue I could think of like this where this has ever happened. So, yeah, I would say that. <laughs> All right, hey. Let's uh let's take a break real quick. We'll come right back and we'll do we'll play this interview that we got a really cool interview and then we'll close up. We'll just we won't take another break, okay? So okay. Uh, just let me get the uh the bumper here. All right. We'll <laughs> look at me with my fancy technology. <laughs> <laughs> we will be right back.
So you listeners out there in listener land don't know this, but um, because we are so professional and we do this seamlessly, but we took actually a multi-hour break between. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so what what was for you about a second and a half break was actually for us a multi-hour break, because when we got done talking, about ten minutes later, Matt Staver of the Liberty Institute, who's also the uh, lead uh, lawyer for uh, Kim Davis, did a press conference. Uh, he had met with his client, and then he and a team of lawyers came out and spoke to the press. And it was very interesting. Billy, what do you what did you pull from that? Was there anything new that you pulled from there, or anything confirmed that you you thought this changes things well, for me? Or my favorite part was the man who approached the microphones before anything started. <laughs> yeah, he was we, great. <clears throat> the street preacher, we think, who who had like a message for all the media, and yeah. um, he was holding a giant American flag. Christian signs and was in what looked like a potato sack. Well, it looked like he was doing the John the Baptist thing. No, it like did. the camel hair and, and kind of thing. I loved his hat though. He had like this cowboy hat going. Yeah, it was, it was really great. Weird. It was. Weird. Um, and he had a message for the media in America. And uh, but no, I, you know the actual substance of the actual press conference. Yeah. I thought, you know, we. I mean, I go back and forth on this, and I was like very passionate earlier in the show about some of these elements because I'm concerned about the bigger issues. And I do think, you know, Matt Staver mentioned a lot of things that we've heard before. I mean, we've almost heard a lot of this before. But the new things where we are not backing down, we'll have a rally here next Tuesday, yeah. which means she's going to be there all Tuesday right. probably. So let, me, let me ask you something before, because ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, this is how professional we are. Is your mic on the correct setting? Because I'm getting some echo from your mic. Like, is it plugged into your... Do you know what's really weird? What's that? I just realized that this is how professional we are. Prepare yourself. <laughs> I prepare. This is Now this I'm is looking straight hilarious. at your... No, 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 I'm looking straight at your Here crotch. That's how professional wait, wait, wait. we are. I don't know. Do I sound better? Yes, that's better. I plugged in my iPod, iPad instead of the mouth. Or <laughs> I can't even talk. I plugged in the iPad okay. <laughs> instead of the microphone. This is what happens after you've yep. written like eight articles. I get it. So... Anyway, so so yeah, they're planning. She's going to be there over the weekend. There's no doubt about that. I, to me, the one thing that I don't want to say is a game changer, but it was an important piece of information to put out there. Again, I don't know how accurate it is. Again, I like Matt Staver a lot, and I uh, I'm a huge fan of his and of the Liberty Institute. But he says that the judge and the governor both could have uh, addressed fixed this issue by simply changing the forms. Now, those are legal documents. I would think that that had to be... Um, uh, I, I don't know how much a changing of legal documents can be done simply by you. this office has been given the authority to change documents when they see fit. I, that's very possible. Or if that's something that the legislature would have to change. Because she said, not only does she not want her name on there, she doesn't want the name of her office on there as long as she's holding that office. And Staver says that the governor could have changed it. The legislature could have changed... Excuse me. The legislature could have changed it. The governor could have changed it. And the judge could have changed it. And I don't know how accurate that is. If that's true, that changes things a little bit in my mind. Like, That's how I've been operating. And, I could, right? and it could be wrong. But that's what I've thought throughout this process, that that power would be there to maybe do that. But, but yeah, you're right. I mean, it does seem a little administrative to me. But, like, I guess if you're thinking about this from the top down, right, if the state is the one that's making – if a state really is who is in charge of marriage, right, if there are these states – 
regulations that govern right. how forms look across the state, then why can't they just be general forms that don't have people's names? And why do we have to have a person's name on it? This clerk right. said dot, 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 instead right. of just the county itself. Right. Yeah. And I, and I, I don't know. Maybe that's, maybe there's your religious exemption. I, I have no idea. Uh, look at this. Reg- we just solved now, everything. Now, regardless, now, if she's willing to issue the licenses, as long as they don't have the name, her name on them or her office on them, then that's something different than what we've been being told. We've been being told she won't issue the licenses, period. That's, you know, and so what Staver said changes things in my mind a little bit. If that's her caveat is like, listen, we can issue all the licenses we want. I'll let my deputies issue as many licenses as they want, as long as it doesn't have my name or my office on it. If that's, that's, that is a different argument than we have been given or at least led to believe the last few days. Don't you think? Is that, does that sound, does that sound different to you? You know, not really. I think I think part of the problem with this is that, and even having covered it, you're covering little bits and pieces of things right. that are complicated. There's so many little elements of this that are complicated. What can the judge do? What can't the judge do? What is her power? What is she choosing to do versus not? What are the things she's willing to accept? I, you know, I don't think it's that different. Um, I do think the one thing Matt Staver has been very consistent on, and I've talked with him maybe two or three times in the last week about this, for interviews has been that there are other options that are very simple that could be figured out. Now, of course, he's representing his side and he's going right. to he's going to say right. that. But it does seem like there are options. And that is what I was saying earlier in the show. If there are options, I always go back to the First Amendment. The First Amendment should take precedence. If there is not a substantial burden on the government to allow an exemption, let's figure out a way to do that before we you know, put someone in jail. Sure. And again, I would I would simply add if she's saying I will not issue these regardless of whether her name or her office is on it, that's a, that is that that's is different. that is a severe problem, and uh, you know, and if it's a legislative fix, if it's a legislative fix simply to change the form, and she's willing to do it if the form is changed, and it's a legis- and it's a legislative fix, not a judge or governor or governor simply a, you know signing a you know a piece of paper. Do you still got to wait for the government to do it to the government to act again? If you don't like the law, you change the law. You don't just break the law. Now, there is a thing called civil disobedience. And civil disobedience, though, is only civil disobedience if it includes repercussions for your actions. Otherwise, you're not disobeying. So, anyway, I think that... Uh, I thought that, that I thought that the press conference was very interesting. I don't know... There was information given in that in press conference, I think, that people, including myself, were not aware of or or maybe it wasn't laid out quite as plainly that the governor or the, the, uh, the judge could by just stroke of a pen fix this. I don't know well, if part that's of, accurate, but part of that was the confusion. And what was the point of calling the legislature, you know, this special right. calling of the legislature, and it would have been to pass legislation to protect her and sort of end it once and for all. But let's face it. Once that legislation comes, you're then going to have challenges to that legislation, too. So you're, this is like I've said to you on the show before. We are going to go from, you know, years of gay marriage battles now into years of religious freedom battles. Right. And this is just the beginning of what that is going to look like. Yep. All right. So now that we, you know, we've kind of settled down a little bit. Billy's not crying. Have we? Billy's not crying anymore. Hey, uh, let's just a second here. Just a second. And OK, Billy. Let's uh let's talk about this interview that we did this week. You um anybody who reads has been a, a reader of Billy's um nonsense material on the Blaze <laughs> knows that he has this strange borderline sick obsession with the dead. 
uh, I do uh, ghost stories. Um, uh, the stories of casting. Again, again, this isn't the dead, but of casting out of demons. Uh, I love exorcism, exorcism demon stories. He loves demon exorcism stories. He loves you know people dying. He loves the uh, ten minutes in heaven stories. What was the movies? I don't even remember. He loves those stories. Ninety minutes, ninety minutes, and it's actually a movie that's coming out. Right. So we had Johnny McAfterlife on. No, what was his name? Johnny McAfterlife. It was Johnny Clark. Johnny Clark. Uh, Johnny Project Johnny, Johnny Resurrection Clark. What's that called? It was. It's like Project Run, Runway, but Project, Project Afterlife. Afterlife. So no Tim Gunn though in this, right? No. Isn't isn't Tim Gunn Project Runway? Is that him? I don't know. Actually, you know way too much about Project okay, Runway. That, it does scare me that. that that you, the reality TV addict, doesn't know that. You know who Tim Gunn is, though, right? Uh, yes. Okay. Anyway, this has nothing to do with Tim Gunn. Uh, anyway, so uh, Johnny Clark came on and had a little interview with us. Billy, give him a little heads up on what this is, and then we'll get into the interview, and then we'll get out of here. So it's this show, basically, that is all about the afterlife and people who have almost died or who have died and have been revived. And it's this guy, Johnny, who's an investigative filmmaker. He did a documentary before this who joins a bunch of other people, paramedic, I think a firefighter, a bunch of people who have encountered this sort of thing where people have died in front of them and they investigate they go through people's stories of, of having come back and, sorry and I said there about, you go. I'm just doing sound effects i don't know there you I, go i was just playing with my my machine here there was something that i thought this would be a good ghost story one that's oh, kind of creepy was it this one? Oh, there we go so we're going to we're going to play for you now an interview with johnny clark talking about what's it called the show project afterlife project afterlife it's billy hollowell here with the church boys and we have a really fun guest on today it's johnny clark he's an investigative filmmaker and he's working on this new show on destination america it's called project afterlife as you can imagine it's it's a, a really really fascinating project how you doing today johnny i'm doing great thanks for having me on this is uh this is great well, listen, I, I have a million questions for you, and I know Chris does as well, but I think probably the first thing I have to ask you, and I know there's, and feel free to take as much time as you want to explain it, but how, how did you end up here working on a project dealing with resurrection and the afterlife? Tell me a little bit about how this project came about and what your history is on the subject. Sure. Well, uh, it started back when I was growing up. Uh, my parents were ministers in Madison, Wisconsin, and uh, we would have missionaries over for dinner and, you know, different kind of characters coming through. And, you know, we would always get to hear about these amazing things happening overseas and along their travels. And I remember... As as a as a young child sitting around the, the dinner table, just hearing these things and thinking, "Wow, like this is incredible." And as I started to get older, some of those things stuck with me. I continued hearing uh, more and more claims like this, and then I saw the Reinhard Bonnke video, uh, "Raised from the Dead," which was done in the '90s about a man in Africa who had had been dead and embalmed, and uh, taken to one of these crusade type of events uh, his wife just simply wouldn't ex you know accept that he had died 
And they made these little VHS tapes and sent them, you know, everywhere. And somehow, you know, I got a hold of one of these and I had to have been, you know, in maybe middle school or uh, grade school at the time. And I remember just sitting there watching this story thinking, oh, my gosh, uh, if, if this is true, this is incredible. And I really think that planted a seed in me to want to find out more. And so... Uh, in 2012, um, my wife and I had just had our second uh, son, and I came home from work one day, and I simply, I, I said, Nicole, this is really strange. I've been thinking about Boulder all day, and that we're supposed to make this documentary about resurrection. And I was expecting her to just say, oh, that's nice, honey, but instead she, <laughs> she stopped and she looked at me and she said, uh, that's really strange because all day I was thinking about Boulder, Colorado. And we'd, we'd driven through once on our way to Estes Park because we were lost in a freak snowstorm and you know the drill. But anyway, uh, we said, okay, well, what do we do with this? So we quickly kind of talked with our family and our friends and said, uh, this is what we're feeling. Are we crazy? And they said, yeah, you're crazy, but you need to go with, what you feel like you need to do. So we literally gave away like all of our stuff. And we had these two little kids, two years old and two months old. We loaded up two SUVs and drove to Boulder, like without a plan, without knowing anyone, without jobs, without anything. We just felt like we needed to go. And so we got there and we're sitting there (laughs) and we really kind of just prayed and said, like, God, what are we doing here? This is like this now it's insane. Like we've put an action to this and we don't know what we're doing. And so we ended up the next night at this gathering that we found online somehow. And the first thing, Chris, uh, that we found was this man stands up and the first thing we've ever, we ever hear in Boulder, we're so excited because we've already seen two people raised from the dead this year. Wow. And we, we both just stopped and looked at each other and we thought, okay, I think we're okay. Like I, where else would <laughs> we've never heard somebody stand up and make a claim like this yeah. ever. And we've been looking for it. Um, and so that just started us on the journey and we knew all, all we knew was that we wanted to find these stories and present them to the world because the news was kind of skeptical of sharing these stories. People were, you know, maybe afraid of what people would think if they, if they shared what, what happened to them. So we right. said, let's just do this really simply. Let's make a documentary where we travel around and we just hear from people who have either experienced death and come back, or they've been a part of bringing someone back to life. Now, why, why and do you, that's really how, why do you feel like you you said the world needs to hear these stories? Why is that? What why is it important for the world to hear these um come back to life resurrection stories? Yes, that's a great question. Well, thank and you. But my best uh, my best answer for that would be because I think they're interesting. Okay. Um I think they're interesting and I wanted to know more about what was going on. And so I just started asking. Were you really skeptical kind of, at all? Were you? Was there any part of you that was sort of like, you know, I grew up 
you know, in, in a Christian home. I, I kind of know that this happened. Or, or was this something for you that was very much you were fascinated by because you believed it 100%? I guess I'm, I'm curious to know, like, what level of skepticism did you have during, you know, in the, in the midst of this process, if any? Yes. And I had, to, I had to kind of overcome the fact that, you know, this could all be wrong. You know, the Bible could be completely false. And maybe, you know, the accounts of Jesus Christ coming back from the dead, you know, being the kind of the cornerstone of the Christian faith, uh, sure, it could all be a big, a big hoax. And maybe the other nine resurrection stories in the Bible are also indeed false. Um, and then, and then we have this, this whole other layer of people sharing stories with us that we have no grid for. Hmm. And are they, are they lying to me? Are they making this up so they can sell a book or they, um, you know, what, what constitutes someone not just making something up? And so we had to, we had to really like dig through a lot of stories to find the ones that we felt were the most authentic. Um, and, and we felt like we did a pretty good job of that. But to answer your question, I mean, there's no way I can prove um, any of this. And I really, with Project Afterlife, we try not to take that approach as much as, Hey, we're just showing up and we're investigating right. like what happened. Like what, what do you remember? Is there something significant that happened? Like if, if you were indeed brought back from the dead, which cannot be always explained by science and medicine, then why, you know, why were you brought back? Well, you know, what, what constituted that? And when you came back, is your life better? Is it different? Like, what is it that changed in you and came back to life? And that's what I think is so interesting about the whole thing. How would you say you, your perspective, going into this, um, you know, and I guess, I mean, you've done the documentary, so let's say before the documentary, and then obviously you have Project Afterlife now. How would you say your perspective has changed, if at all? Um, are you more likely to believe these stories? Are you less likely? What, what has sort of transformed within you throughout this process? Well, at first I felt like, you know, it would be great to prove it. You know, it would be great to appease everyone's uh, requests and, you know, let's make sure someone's been dead long enough and let's turn on the cameras. And really what I found was we're never going to make everybody happy um, no matter what we do. And that's a, a common theme is that, well, what's death? Like, how do you constitute death and define what that is. And so medically that's, you know, no heart beating, no lungs breathing and no brain activity. So once that happens, uh, a doctor can declare someone dead. Uh, and so that's kind of the best terms, but then you run into, well, how long can someone be dead before they're dead, dead? <laughs> right. Cause some people five of, minutes wasn't long enough. So that was resuscitation. Instead of most, <laughs> okay, instead, well, of, instead of mostly well, dead, it's miracle seven, it, It's, is seven days and embalmed long enough? Well, I, I don't know. Is huh. so we try not to um, you know, get too hung up in in those things, but something needed to happen. And obviously, the project Afterlife, we're focusing on like what these individuals remember. Hmm. And that's not to like some people have had amazing experiences, but they don't remember anything when they were dead. Hmm. Right. So how did you how did you find these people the, the the stories that you told how did you 
A, uh, find them, and B, then select which ones you're going to use? So we just started talking about it. I mean, we started telling friends and family what we were doing. We started a Facebook page. We ran a Kickstarter campaign. Uh, we use social media. We sent out, you know, email blasts with other companies. Uh, anything that we could do, and it started very slowly because um, people are like, you know, what are you doing? This doesn't make sense. Why would you do this? Um, so we just were, were slowly, you know, using Google, and we were contacting people who had podcasts and mentions of of stories. And we just began to slowly meet these people and call them. We really had to build rapport with these individuals because they're sharing something with us that it may be details that they've never um, divulged to anyone else since, you know, specifically to the world. And so, you know, we commend these people for talking to us and trusting us with their, with their experience. How has how has this experience uh, changed your faith or impacted your faith at all? Definitely, that's uh, that's interesting because you know Jesus and his teachings uh, are timeless. I think anyone who studied them uh, can really disagree with the love and the compassion that comes from them, but with uh, with religion, uh, you know, we run into people all the time that say, you know, what you guys are doing is, is satanic or this is unbiblical. And I, I think religion has become more concerning to me than it was prior to this. You know, we honestly thought Christians would be excited to see that, um, you know, Jesus is still raising people from the dead and the power of the gospel transcends time. But I think there, there's a lot of fear mm. and I want to run from fear at all costs because I couldn't, you know, make something about people uh, coming back from the dead. If I was scared about what people thought. Right. Well, what, let me ask you this because you've talked to a lot of people now and you've heard their stories. Is there anything that struck you as sort of consistent, like something you're seeing that pops up in a lot of these stories? Because I know, I mean, I, I've read quite a bit on this. I've covered some some individual stories, nowhere near as many as, as you have. But you know, some people say, oh, no, there's nothing that is similar. Every one of these is, is different, every one of these experiences. And then there are other people who say, well, yeah, that might be true, but there are certain elements that tend to pop up that are consistent. Have you noticed anything like that as you've interviewed people and, and talked to their family members about this? Yeah, and, that's, and that really is kind of the, the premise and basis for Project Afterlife because we're really trying to find as many diverse cases as we can and as we're investigating these, we're, we're kind of connecting the dots, if you will. And, you know, I would love to be able to say we've come to some, uh, you know, huge conclusions, but everybody's experience seems to be varying. And whether that's a positive experience or maybe a darker scenario where someone, you know, travels into hell or begins describing something like that, um, each person seems to have a different nugget, but it is very exciting 
when we hear similar things take place. Uh, one of the coolest things we found was that occasionally we found this 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 choice that gets to be made. And not everybody has this, but this has come across several times where somebody is uh, like on the other side about to enter, you know, what I would describe as the gates or heaven or transcend into kind of the, the next phase of the afterlife. And they're given a choice, you know, would you like to stay or would you like to go back? And the reason we're giving you that choice is because like someone's down there asking for you to come back. Huh. And, and they're able to see that and explain that to us. And, um, I think that's fascinating. And other times, uh, we found the opposite where there was no choice. Um, someone was, was there blocking them, telling them that it wasn't their time. And that person has been described as Jesus, as deceased family members, as old friends that have passed on before them. And, uh, the biggest nugget for me is isn't always like the physical resurrection, but also, you know, with, within the spirit and the mind of, you know, what, what are people doing? And when they come back, how is their, how has their life changed? Hmm. Right. I mean, are they, are they living better lives now? Are they, uh, you know, do they, do they appreciate the value of life? Right. And for me, one of the, biggest things uh, that I've learned in this whole process over the last few years has been like, there's an appreciate, there's a deeper appreciation for life when someone's experienced death. Sure. That makes sense. Let me, let me ask you another question here. Have you noticed any differences in experiences based on um, uh, the subjects uh, faith or their, or their perhaps their sect or their denomination? Uh, I, can you rephrase that? I'm not quite sure. Well, as, have all the people who have been through this all been Christian? Have Has it been like, no, we've actually talked to some people of other religions, or you know what, only the Catholics are having this happen, or, or you know, only the Baptists, or only the or Presbyterians. Or, are, you seeing, are you seeing this cross denominational lines and across uh, varying faith lines as well? Yes. Um, you know, we're finding that, you know, someone who comes back hasn't always, uh, you know, been a Christian or a part of a certain denomination or religion. Um, and I, I love that. Um, but there, there always is an element of compassion mm. from someone who's here praying. And even in every story from the Bible, like there was someone who took the time out of their day to stop and say, I'm going to stop what I'm doing and think about this person. You know, take Jesus and the centurion, right? Centurion comes. Uh, Jesus, I need your help. Like, I'm in trouble. My daughter's dying, right? right? And he says, okay, like, now we have something to work with. Um, and he went. And in every case, someone believed for something beyond what was happening in the natural. And uh, in all of our cases, someone has been there, and they've been telling this person to come back. They've prayed for them. You know, they've, uh, you know, they've anointed them with oil or laid hands on them or, or just talked to them as if they were alive. And that seems to be a, a constant. 
And if, if that's all it is, if it's, if it's that simple, like how hard is it for us if we're standing at the sidewalk about to cross the street and, a, and someone next to us falls over dead of a heart attack or something? What if all it simply takes is to say, get up, like come back to life in Jesus' name? Um, I don't know. I think that's incredible. And if, if that truly is uh, happening, then we need, to, we need to hear about it. Mm. What would you say has been like the craziest thing that you've seen, the thing that's blown your mind the most out of all these cases, out of all the stories you've heard, what has been the thing that sort of made you take a step back and say, whoa? And let me add to that, have you witnessed a resurrection? Yeah, there have been some crazy things. And the closest thing to a resurrection that I've witnessed with my own eyes was when I was with uh, one of my co-hosts, Roger Freivault, and we got a call that a woman had overdosed on heroin, and she'd, she'd been uh, in a brain-dead coma for three days, and you know, they were keeping her alive with uh, machines and life support. And they said, can you just please send somebody over here because we're going to unplug our daughter, and we just would, before we do that, we would like somebody to come and you know, bless her. So we're all about honoring people and blessing them and and doing what we can to comfort them. And so we went and they said, okay, do what you're going to do. We're having a family meeting right now and we'll be back in, in 20 minutes. And so we said, okay. Um, so we just simply said, okay, uh, you know, Brandy, we, we bless you. We, uh, you know, Jesus is here, and even though this horrible thing with heroin happened, um, you know, you're forgiven. And this thing came over, uh, Roger and I, and I looked at her and I said, if you know, and you have to understand, like, she's brain dead, you know, her eyes are just lifeless, she's, uh, there's nothing, there's nothing to work with. And I just said, if you know that Jesus, like, forgives you, and he loves you, and he's taking care of you. She had a four-year-old daughter. Uh, she had a four-year-old son. I grabbed the picture. I said, you know, your son needs you. Like, just reach up and grab my friend Roger's hand. And I kid you not, all of a sudden, she turns and looks me in the eye, and she, she reaches her hand up and grabs Roger's arm. And we, we both, uh, you know, we said these things, but we weren't expecting it to, <laughs> to happen. And she did. And all of a sudden, like, something came over us, and we just kind of started telling her to get up and, uh, you know, you're going to be okay. And uh, her family comes back in and decided to pull the plug. And all of a sudden, she's, like, you know, she's not responding, but, she, uh, you know, like, talking, but she's, like, her head's moving. She's looking around the room. And they're freaking out when what just happened? What did you do? You know, they were running over to her because they haven't been able to see any life for the past three days. And uh, my buddy Roger, uh, he just says, well, that's the Holy Spirit. And if you want him, just ask him to show himself to you now. It's like half the family is like shaking. Uh, half the family is in shock. And we just kind of stood there speechless because uh, nobody really understood what was going on. Uh, and, and that was a very significant event for 
both Roger and myself kind of before uh, Dead Razor had gotten started. So, you know, with my own two eyes, that's probably one of the most significant things I've seen. Where is she uh, now? Where is that girl now? Is she, did she recover? Is she okay? So three, so they, they checked her out and then three months later she did end up passing away of organ failure. Um, so she did die, you know, she did end up, end up passing away, but that was kind of enough of an event for us to say, you know, we need to go find out from people who know more than us, know more about this subject than we do because we don't know anything. But I mean, so going through that, you personally, and I don't want to speak for you, but I would assume you personally believe a hundred percent that it's entirely possible through Jesus's name to raise somebody from the dead. Uh, yeah, I do. And I think that, um, you know, I can't tell you why that happens or when that happens or why it happens to some people and, and not to others. Um, and then I, I just have to come back to compassion. You know, if we stop for a minute to just help somebody, that's when we can see something miraculous happen. Chris, you have any final questions? Uh, I'm good. I, I, I found this incredibly fascinating. The this is a world that I've never even contemplated, you know, even talking to somebody about. So, um, I, I wouldn't even, I wouldn't even know where to start. If, if somebody said to me, or I had a vision or a feeling or a, a, a message from the Lord that you need to, you need to go and look at this whole afterlife, this situation, I'd go, I, I don't even know where to start. What, what do you, and, and the fact that you just said, you know what, I'm going to tell my wife about this. And she said, you know, I kind of feel in the same way. And then I'm just going to sell everything and get in the car and go to Boulder, Colorado of all places. I mean, uh, it's fascinating to me in the work that you're doing. I I think that God can really use this uh, in the in the long run as people learn to understand what it is you're trying to uh, tell, the stories you're trying to tell. So I, I, it is fascinating. I do have one final question, and that girl's family, what, the people who had called you guys over, um, I assume they knew that you were starting to get involved in this project, maybe, or they knew you as you know Christians who could pray for them. You could fill me in on that a little bit if you want. But did that experience, I know she died a few months later, but how did that change them? You mentioned some of them were shaking. I mean, was this a moment where some of them became Christians, where it changed their whole life? Um, or do you not know where they are now? Sure, I mean, I can answer to the, to the best that I know. And uh, Roger and I were a part of a church in Madison, and basically a call came in, as, and that's, that's fairly common at, you know, in local churches that somebody calls in and says, can you send somebody to pray? Or can you send somebody over? And so we just responded and said, sure. We'll go. Uh, and so that's why we went. We didn't have like a relationship with them. We hadn't, we hadn't started, you know, this resurrection quest yet. Um, and they didn't expect that. We honestly didn't expect that either. Uh, you know, we just went because it was like the good we could do and we were available to go that day. Um, but as far as the rest of the family goes, uh, you know, they did end up uh, coming over to the church. I think a few of the, the members ended up coming to, to check stuff out. And um, yeah, and shortly after that, you know, we left for Boulder. So uh, it's not like we're close friends with them or something. Well, listen, I, I appreciate you taking the time and yeah. I definitely, we want to keep in touch with you, have you back and, uh, and thanks for, thanks for sharing it with us. I think people are going to be really fascinated and uh, they're going to want to check the show out again. That's project afterlife and it's on destination America. Is there a website or anywhere that you'd want to send people as well? 
Yeah, if you want to check out Dead Razor, um, you can just visit deadrazor.com and you can actually watch the film for free with the code Project Afterlife. Um, you know, so I would encourage people to check it out and definitely check out the show. And they awesome. can watch that on Amazon and iTunes and, and the rest as well. Cool. Well, thanks, thanks a John. lot. Thanks, Johnny. Appreciate it. Hey, you're welcome, guys. Thanks for having me. All right. We'll talk to you later. And now, back to the church boys. They're a real pain in my ass. All right, so we're getting ready to close out here, but we wanted to bring you one other story that was, to me, a little bit on the nutty side. Um, Billy wrote a story this week about, let me read you the headline. It says, Gunmaker creates new AR-15 that, quote, would never be able to be used by Muslim terrorists, unquote. What in the world? <laughs> so This is this- maybe one of the more absurd stories I've read. Well, the whole point is, I'm, I'm assuming... Basically, there's a Bible verse, and I got myself in trouble. I made a mistake, and you know, with with some readers, God forbid you ever make a mistake because no <laughs> no human being ever makes an error. I know nothing about assault assault rifles. I'm so, oh wait, I can't use the word assault rifle. I'm sorry, AR-15s because I was lambasted for using the word assault rifle. I know, so you didn't take it out. It's still in there. Oh no, I'm not taking it out. Anyway, um, because who cares? It's just, why do we get so upset about semantics? It's so stupid. But anyway, because semantics. AR- wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Semantics are the basis of our laws because if they make a if if they make an assault if they make an assault rifle ban versus an assault weapon ban, there's two different those are two different things. Fine, 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 fine. My point is, you're using it to either assault an animal or assault a person. There's no other reason why you're using it. Or a target. Or or, okay, or assault a target. But anyway, yeah, I'm you're okay. Don't get ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. Billy Hallowell is the anti-Second Amendment member of TheBlaze.com. Just no, so you know. No, no, no. I love the really. Second Amendment. I he's do. Really. I fight with everybody about this. I fight with the people in New York about it. I fight with the people, you know, like that are way, way, way. I'm totally pro-Second Amendment. I just don't think we need to get so sensitive about every single little piece of it that, you know. And I also think it's fine it's to ask questions. mostly the gun piece that you don't like, right? No. Well, listen, I don't, I don't think that you should be capping magazine size. I think that all that's silly. It doesn't yeah, do anything. Yeah, it doesn't it. help. Fine. But, but I do think that, you know, we worship gun culture sometimes in this country more than we do God in the Bible. So, Fair and enough. there's some problems with that in all our right. culture. Anyway, I can go on Let's and Go back on. to but this silly story. In this, in this story, uh, I, I said that they, so they put a Bible verse on this gun, okay? Right, right. Psalm 144, 1. They etched it into the, apparently it was the, like the gun well, the well sure, of the, yep. right. I said, I didn't, I didn't word it properly. People were very upset, so I had to change the wording. I don't remember what my mistake was. It was very minor, but somebody sent me a very nasty yeah, they're focused message. They're focused on your technical, lack of, lack of technical right. knowledge, I know terminology, nothing. yet, why don't you spend time commenting on the absurdity of the story rather than the fact that Billy didn't call it the well or whatever? It just blows my mind. No, I called it. I said that it was it was etched into the magazine instead right. of the magazine well. So that right. was my mistake. Fine, um, but this gun goes for thirteen about fourteen hundred dollars. Yeah. It features the Bible verse on it, and it's apparently that the one of the spokespeople. I think it's Ben Thomas for Spikes Tactical Spokes, had said spokesman. Yes. 
I just want to slap you through the mic, but I can't. Uh, We wanted to make sure we built a weapon that would never be able to be used by Muslim terrorists to kill innocent people or advance their radical agenda. I'm assuming because the Bible verse is on there. Because somehow. And there's a a cross, too. There's a cross. Somehow, if a Muslim picks it up, they won't, the trigger won't fire. I mean, it won't fire. Get squeezed the trigger. Well, I'm assuming they think a Muslim would not pick it, that wouldn't want to pick it up, basically. (laughs) (laughs) I don't understand. Have you ever crap. used an AR-15, Chrisfield? Yes. Yeah, I have. Oh, look at you, yeah. assaulting people. Just targets. Just, just targets. targets, I'm kidding. I'm totally kidding. I don't I assault not, people with weapons. Not. I just assault people with my, you know, offensive. I fired a revolver. I've, in fact, we should publish the video of me shooting at the range with Sarah's husband last oh, year, yeah. Sarah Rivette. Right, and is that when you and he went uh, shooting shirtless? Was that that video? No, no, oh. not that's a different one. Oh. But um, no, I've only been shooting once in my life, and it was with... Oh, really? uh, her husband. Okay. But um, anyway, so the bottom line is this is on sale. People can get it. And, you know, of course, CARE reacts to this, like, you know, Council on American Islamic Relations saying, you know, it's designed for Christian terrorists. <laughs> That's what they're right. supposed like, to say. <laughs> I just, I don't, under, I don't get it. I don't. Well, I don't. and then they said, you know, we need to have a conversation about gun violence. There's been utter silence from gun manufacturers. So they, they tried to spin it back um, on, you know, is this appropriate? But and so, so do you sort of stand with care on this? Well, no, I just think it's stupid. I think I, to think that a gun people like to say, and they are correct. Guns don't kill people. People kill people. Right. So to think that somehow putting a Bible verse on this keeps someone who's intent on killing people from killing people is lunacy because the goal is to kill people, right? You're just defeating your own logic. Now, maybe this spokesperson slash spokesman, Ben Thomas, was saying this tongue in cheek, like it's going to keep people, keep terrorists from using the gun. I, I maybe, maybe. He, maybe, maybe he said it jokingly. It certainly doesn't come across that way to me. Uh I just well, think you know, it's just and asinine. You know this is a cure. It, it's a comment he gave to someone else. He didn't give it to me. So you never, you never know. I do think they said something about Christian unity too. Yeah. And, and but I think it's a marketing gun nuts, boy. gun nuts and Christian nuts of which I, uh, two categories, which I fall into. Okay. Gun nut and Christian nut. I'm both of those things. We have enough trouble looking, not looking like weirdos all the time. Anyway, add this, do something like this. It does not help us. It's not helpful helpful to come out and say well because we printed this scripture on the side of a gun uh uh it's going to keep test uh keep terrorists from muslim terrorists from using it it's ridiculous so anyway billy's giving me the finger and so no he's not <laughs> billy's i don't know what he's doing maybe he has surprise for us he has he has left the microphone he's apparently got a surprise anyway uh ben thomas ben thomas and these other guys listen Christians are frequently called weirdos, and at times we have earned that name. Gun nuts are often called weirdos, and there are times, to be honest, we have earned that name. When you do things like this, you're not helping. It's the same thing with the guy at the beginning of the, of the um, Kim Davis press conference today. Before Matt Staver came out to speak, Billy told you earlier in the show, there was a guy that came out, and he's dressed in sackcloth or something, and kind of had a John the Baptist vibe going, carrying an American flag and this thing that looked like a Bible, but wasn't really a Bible, but it said Holy Bible on it. I don't know if it's a Bible or not. Carrying all these different signs. He doesn't help us not look like weirdos either. So I'm back. We're, we all have an obligation to, you know, <laughs> believe the things that you believe, stand up for them. But at the same time, when you're being absurd without, without intending to be, just because you're weird, you're not helping your cause. So 
All right. Well, I think it's time to wrap up. I think it is too. Did you? Have, was this a, an emergency? Did you have a little emergency? My there? family oh. is arriving home. Oh. That's all. It's chaos. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Your family, like just your wife and your kids, are like you got family coming to town because it's the three yeah, day just weekend. My wife and my kids, right? Okay. Now. All right. Well, we better head out. You got anything special planned for Labor Day? Gonna read my Quran and my Bible and. <laughs> We're going camping. We got family reunion. We're going camping this weekend. The boy is so that excited. Sounds interesting and miserable at the same time. It's awesome. We go to a really nice place. I'm not nice. It's a campground, but we go camping for a weekend and it's a ton of fun. And the boy, number number two, he's a four year old. He is just super stoked. So uh, we're pretty excited about that. So if you don't have anything else, we'll just go ahead and sign off and wish everyone um, 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 a, 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 a good day. A good day. And have a wonderful Labor Day weekend. Hope it's awesome for you. And we will. <laughs> Talk to you later. Bye-bye. Bye, Felicia.